Welcome to Smart Talk. I'm Scott Lamar. A quick question to start today's program. What are you grateful for? Off the top of your head, you may be thinking about a roof over your head, food on the table, or maybe the love of your family, all worthy of gratitude. But go a little deeper and not just about the stuff or material things you've collected over the years. That's what our guest on today's program did for an entire year. Best-selling author, former editor of Parade Magazine, and TV producer Janice Kaplan kept, tra- kept track of what she was grateful for. And the resulting book is called The Gratitude Diaries, How a Year Looking on the Bright Side Can Transform Your Life. Ms. Kaplan, welcome to the program. Good morning. Great to be here. Thank you. And we would like to hear what you're grateful for and you know if you can if you can do this if, you know what the Janice Kaplan is I don't know whether advocating is the right word or not but what she's written about and if it's something that you could implement into your life 1-800-729-7532 or send an email to smarttalk at org. and I should mention that uh, Janice Kaplan's book uh, The Gratitude Diaries was WITF's summer read for this summer and we'll talk more about that in just a few minutes but uh, uh, first of all welcome to the program Thank I am I am very thankful and grateful to have you here today. I'm going to try not to use the play on words too much. You're an author, and you probably would look down your nose and say, this guy here is really being an amateur about this. Well, I won't do that. (laughs) But if I slip one in from time to time. So how did this start? How did you start this journey of gratitude? And really, the book reads like it is a journey. It was very much a journey, and um, it actually started with a national survey that I had done on gratitude. It was funded by the John Templeton Foundation, and um, the results started coming in, and they were really interesting. And one of the things we found was that about 90% of people said that they thought gratitude made you happier. And when we asked people, are you grateful for family and friends, again, 90% of people said, absolutely, grateful for family and friends. And then we asked, do you express gratitude? And all of a sudden, the number plunged. And we were at something like 45. Under half of people said they expressed gratitude. So it suddenly struck me that we had this big gratitude gap, Okay, Mm -hmm. On the one hand, there's something we know is going to make us happier. And on the other side, we don't do it. So it finally occurred to me, I was going on shows like this and talking about this huge problem in America of the gratitude gap. (laughs) And then there was a New Year's Eve, actually, and I was thinking about what was going to make the coming year great for me. And it struck me, wait a minute, I'm as guilty of this as anybody else. And so at that moment, I thought, well, let me see what would actually happen if I took this theoretical poll and tried to put it into my own life. If I tried to take that fact of not expressing gratitude and turn it around and see what would happen if I lived a year more gratefully. So just to get this straight, I mean, I read the book, so I, you know, the first chapter or so you're talking about the New Year's Eve party, but uh, I don't remember that part. Was this something that you thought about beforehand or uh, was it at that party? You said, you know, this is what I'm going to do over the next year. So it was kind of like a New Year's resolution. Well, sure. You know, I was standing there. I I had already done the survey. So gratitude was was in my in my head. But I was standing there at this New Year's Eve party, as one often does, figuring that everybody in the world was having a better time than I was. And, um, you know, the TV was on. We were waiting for the ball to drop in Times Square. And it had a perfectly nice year. You know, everything 
everything was fine, but I didn't really feel like putting on a funny hat and dancing around the room. And I thought, what could happen in the coming year that would really change things, that would really make me at this same time next year just so excited that I did want to put on that funny hat? So I started thinking about all the obvious things, right? I could win the lottery. <laughs> I could move to Hawaii. Um, and, uh, you know, I started thinking, nah, none of that's really going to do it. Uh, if I, you know, if I move to Hawaii, I'll get a sunburn. If I win the lottery, I'll be complaining about paying too much taxes. And, and it suddenly struck me that that's what we do, right? Whatever the event is, we can look at the good side or we could look at the bad side. And so when I couldn't actually think of an event that I knew was going to make me happy, that's when I made the connection with this gratitude survey that I had done. That's when I made the connection that, no, it's not something that's actually going to happen this year. It's how I look at the year. It's what my attitude, what my perspective is going to be. And Scott, I'm going to give you the ending right here at the beginning. Um, which is that I ended up with the best year of my life. I ended up with one of the happiest years I've ever had by spending that year of gratitude. And really, I, nothing special happened that year. Nothing different happened that year than it happened in the five previous years. Um, but my attitude, my perspective just so changed everything. You write at the very beginning that uh, most people are kind of predisposed to looking at things on the negative side. And they, and they evolution, there's an evolutionary reason that, you know, man was wanted to protect himself or herself. And that was the reason that, you know, we were always looking for just what, how you described it, that, yeah, I go to Hawaii, I'll get a sunburn, I win the lottery, I'll have to pay taxes. Those people would look at those things and say, oh, those are good things. But we often do that. We look at, okay, what bad can happen here? Why do we do that? Well, it's a, it's a wonderful story, and, and when you mention the evolution, um, Daniel Kahneman, who's the Nobel Prize-winning uh, economist, behavioral psychologist, <clears throat> he explains it really wonderfully um, in terms of our, our very distant ancestors. And he says when they were out in the plains gathering berries, okay, um, let's say there were 10 tasty berries. It wasn't really important that they knew which were the 10 tasty berries. But if there was one poisonous berry, it was really important that they recognized that poisonous berry Otherwise, they did not become our ancestors. So we are all the descendants of those people who were wired to recognize the one problem, which at that time was really survival. Um, well, we're not picking berries that way anymore, except in the grocery store, and very few of them, as far as I know, are poisonous. Um, we hope. Right, so so what's that? what it's turned into now is that 10 good things happen to you in the day, and one lousy thing happens, and which is the one you go home and tell your spouse about at dinner? Which is the one you think about on the car ride home? It always tends to be that negative one. We are so focused on that. And so that's why you really need that effort. You really need that effort to figure out how am I going to look on the positive? How am I going to turn that around and say, actually, yeah, that one lousy thing happened and maybe I need to take care of it tomorrow. Maybe it was a problem, but let me focus for just five minutes on all those good things that happened and maybe talk about that tonight. All right. Now, I, I have to admit that when I was reading the book, now you used the word squishy. You said that, eh, I as I'm looking at this, this sounds kind of squishy to me. Now, that sounds like, a, you know, not a word I would use, but uh, you know, I would be kind of skeptical, put it that way, going in that I could actually do this. It, from what you described in the book and doing this over a whole year, and you did keep a diary of the 
things that happened during the day or whatever that you were grateful for, you wrote it down every day. Sounds like a lot of work. Well, um, yeah, there are two parts to that. We'll get back to the squishy. I'll start with a lot of work. Um, Gratitude should never be a chore. It should never be a challenge. And I agree if people talk about keeping a gratitude journal. And if that sounds like too much trouble and it's something you don't want to do, I've sort of changed that focus. And I now tell people have a scrap of paper by the side of your bed and think of it as one thing that you're going to write down at night. Just, it could be two words, just one thing that you're going to write down at night. And your listeners, try it for a week. Who can't do that for a week? And you'll be surprised by what a change it it actually makes in your life. So how can one thing, that one little piece of paper do it? Well, let me give you an example. You wake up this morning. Here you are. You're listening to this radio show. You have your first cup of coffee. It's a really good cup of coffee. You think, ah, I know. Grateful for this cup of coffee. Terrific. Done for the day. Going to write down cup of coffee on that piece of paper by the side of my bed. But actually, you're not done for the day because you've already changed your attitude. You've already thought about gratitude. You've already put something positive into your day and into your life. Or it gets to be 5 o'clock at night, and you go, darn it, there's that piece of paper by my bed, and I have not been grateful for anything today. And so you stop for a minute, and you look at a pretty tree outside, or you smile at the colleague who's across from you, or you, or you just find something, just one moment. And again, it's changed your attitude. It's given you that moment to focus. And so really something as small as promising yourself that you're just going to write down one thing, two words, doesn't have to be a big chore, doesn't have to be a fancy journal, um, is going to to make a difference. All right. Now, you said you'd touch on squishy. I will touch on squishy. So, (laughs) um, uh, you know, I'm I'm from New York, Scott. I am neither squishy, soft, nor sappy. (laughs) So I felt exactly as you're saying. I really worried about gratitude as being just a pat on the back, right? A way of placating you, a way of saying everything is okay. And that's really not what gratitude should be. Um, And I knew that if that's what it was, if at the end of the year I just said, yeah, everything's fine, that was not going to be a successful year. Um, So one of the key things that I learned about gratitude uh, is that gratitude is not just a pat on the back. It's really important to understand that if you're in a situation where you're unhappy or where there's a problem or you're frustrated, if you can change it, change it. (laughs) Gratitude doesn't say just accept everything. But if you're in a situation where you can't change it or where you need to look at something differently, that's where gratitude can come in. Um, that's where you can reframe a situation and and, fi- and try to find the positive. Um, I also think that a lot of people are really afraid of gratitude at work, right? They're afraid that if they're grateful at work, if they're happy with what they have, they're not gonna be able to get the next thing. They don't have the motivation. You lost your motivation, uh, completely wrong. Um, I think if you appreciate what you have now on your job, where you are, look for the positive, you can still say, but that's what I'd like next year. That's where I want to get. There's something else that I still want to have. 
that's okay. Gratitude and ambition actually play very nicely together. And the interesting thing is when you are grateful, you're actually more likely to get that next step because people respond to positive people, right? They like to be around them. Who are you more likely to promote? The person who's complaining every day and telling you how much they hate their job or the person who's looking for something good in it and who says, that's okay, I'll, you know, yeah, that was a problem, but here, I'll, I'll find something else positive. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. Our guest during this program is Janice Kaplan, author of the book, The Gratitude Diaries, How a Year Looking on the Bright Side Can Transform Your Life. Transforming Health Summer Read Project celebrated its fourth year this summer. This year's selection was The Gratitude Diaries, How a Year Looking on the Bright Side Can Transform Your Life by Janice Kaplan. All summer long, readers throughout central Pennsylvania were encouraged to check the book out from their local library and talk about it with friends, family, co-workers, book discussion groups. There are over 10 participating library systems. All this year alone, 650 copies of the Gratitude Diaries were made available to the community. The Summer Read Project is a unique opportunity, partnership of WITF's Transforming Health, Aligning Forces for Quality South Central Pennsylvania and Central Pennsylvania Library Systems. It's supported by Wellspan Health, Penn State Hershey Medical Center, and Capital Blue Cross. Uh, You mentioned being grateful for your job and ambition, motivation. Let's look at the other side. I'm jumping around on on you in the book here because you you write the book by season and how you tackled or how you focused on different parts of your life. But I'll jump around a little bit here. Something that many people, I was about to use the word complain, but that many people don't feel is appreciation gratitude from their boss, the people they work for, that often it even makes more, would be more valuable to them than money, a raise that, although we all would like to get a raise, but they still would like to hear from the people they work for that, hey, you're doing a good job. You are absolutely right. And if I could get one message out from the book, it would be to bosses to say, appreciate the people who work for you. It is so important. As you said, we all want to get a paycheck. We all want a good salary. That's that. That's basic. But we want to be appreciated. We want to feel that what we're doing is meaningful. And um, I was I was truly stunned as I did some of the research for this book, and I spoke to many people in positions of power and CEOs, and I was hearing that line from the 1960s, you know, that line you heard on the Mad Men TV show, where, where they would say, well, we say thank you with a paycheck. And I would say, no, actually, you don't say thank you with a paycheck. You say we're paying you with a paycheck. You say thank you with thank you. And bosses who think that people are going to be less motivated or work less hard um, if they're thanked, who think that, oh, if I thank him, he's just, you know, he's going to think that he doesn't have to do that every time, are so incredibly wrong. Um, in that same survey that I mentioned uh, th- that, that had started the book, we did a big section on work. And 81% of people said that they would work harder for a grateful boss. And 90% of people said that they thought a grateful boss was more likely to be successful because nobody succeeds on his or her own. And when you're grateful, people rally around you. So the evidence is so strong. People work harder for a grateful boss. You're more likely to be successful if you're grateful. Um, I just really wish that all those 
men and women who who feel that they're showing their power by being difficult with people and uh, not supporting them and not saying thank you, um, they're making a huge mistake. And and uh, and we could really change the culture of work, change how people feel about work um, if if people were just a little bit more willing to say thanks. All right, now I'm going to move back to uh, January, back to <laughs> right after the New Year's Eve party, and you decided that uh, uh, your first focus would be your marriage. Now, first of all, from what you describe in the book, your husband sounds like a hell of a guy to begin with. I mean, he's a doctor, sounded like he had a good relationship, but that you decided that you were going to be grateful for your marriage and your husband. Talk about that. Well, sure. I do have a very nice husband. <laughs> and um, what happens, though, is we've been married for a long time. And um, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are in the same situation, married to great people, but you kind of stop noticing the person that you're married to. And, um, you know, psychologists call it habituation, which means that you just get used to something. And, uh, you know, you want that new car. You're sure that new car is going to make you so happy. And then you get that new car. And it's really, after a few weeks, it's just the car that needs an oil change and that you have to stick in your garage and find a place to park and is in traffic. And, you know, and who's excited about the car in the garage? Um, Or you see a piece of jewelry or a dress or a new house or whatever that stuff is that you want. Um, Once we get it, we stop noticing it. Well, the same thing happens with people. The same thing happens with spouses. And, you know, a spouse is actually a lot harder to trade in than a car. Um, So I I did decide that first month that I was going to start paying attention to my husband and start noticing the things that he always does anyway and appreciating them and recognizing them and saying something about it uh, because that's what we stopped doing. You know, we, we may have in the back of our heads like, oh, that was a nice thing he did. That's great. You know, I appreciate that he, you know, does the dishes or fixes the faucet or, you know, kisses me hello. But do I ever say, say it? Do I ever thank him for it? And so um, I started doing that. I started recognizing the things that he was doing. And that the first weekend, I didn't tell him what I was doing. Um, I just, you know, <laughs> thanked him for for a couple of a, a couple of things. And and you know, he looked at me kind of oddly. He was freaked at out at the beginning. He's like, "What's going on here?" You know, I thanked him for driving us home one night. And and he said, "You know, I always drive." And I said, "I know you always drive, but you know, it's dark. It's snowing. I hate to drive, and I appreciate that you do." And I kept doing that. And then by that, the end of that weekend, we were having dinner on Sunday night. And he turned to me and he said, oh, honey, thank you for cooking. And I said, I always cook. But, you know, the, um, the vibe had started to change. And, and I think a lot of us uh, look at our spouses and we know h- how much better they could be if only they would listen to us, if only they would follow our constructive criticism. Um, but with that constructive criticism, we hear constructive and they hear criticism. And so by eliminating that for a month, and then at the, at the end of that weekend, I actually told him what I was doing, and I made it very clear this was only going to be for a month, uh, <laughs> that I was going to be grateful to him. Um, but what happened was that it did change our relationship so much, and, um, and it took some of that anxiety out, and it took some of that you know, edginess out, and we were both feeling so much better. Um, that that just really, really continued so strongly for the entire year. And um, by the way, the, the year was a, uh, a, a New Year's to a New Year's, and the book ends on the final New Year's Eve. 
And um, I told my husband that that was going to be the last chapter of the book. You know, it was the year ended, and we got to that final New Year's Eve, that it was going to be the last chapter of the book, and that I wanted that New Year's Eve to just be us. Not a lot of pressure on a guy, right? This is going to be the last chapter. It has to be the perfect ending to my book, and it's just going to be you and me alone at our country house. Um, and we had a great evening, and then it got to be about 10 of 12, and just as at the year before, we turned on the TV to watch the ball drop, and I actually started to cry. And my husband said, oh, no, <laughs> what's wrong? What have I done wrong? And I said, nothing. This has just been such a great year. I don't want it to end. And my very sweet husband looked at me, and he said, well, honey, you could actually be nice next year, too. Um, so, uh, so, so that became our joke, and, and, um, and it did become very important even long after that year was over, and it's now, you know, it's now quite some time um, that, that that stays very, very strong uh, between us. And, you know, of course you slip back. You can't do it every day. Um, we're all human, and, uh, but you can catch yourself. And I think one of the big things you do as you catch yourself um, not being nice. Uh, were there times where you, I mean, there was, let's face it, in all marriages, especially when you've been together for a long time, uh, we all have those things that the, the other person does that bugs us. Even if it's something a little as, you know, the way they chew their food or, or, or watch television or, you know, something like that. I mean, were there times where you you said you had to catch yourself, where you, you stopped yourself and said, oh, it's in the course of things, that's not that important? Well, you know, I'll tell you one story um, that I do tell in the book, um, which, as you mentioned, my husband is a doctor. And um, and he's a general internist, and he is the kind of doctor everybody would want to go to because he cares so much about his patients, and he's a really kind and wonderful person. Um, and now I'm going to sound like a terrible person uh, because he would uh, often at that time go into the hospital at, late at night. Any time one of his patients was there, he would rush off to the hospital. And it was driving me crazy. You know, <laughs> we would get these calls at midnight and he would rush off to the hospital. And it, it had quite honestly become a bone of contention between us. And um, <clears throat> one night in that first month, we get one of those calls at midnight. We're in bed. I'm, I'm asleep. And I wake up and I see that he's in his closet getting dressed. You know, he's got the light on. He doesn't want to disturb me. He knows if I realize that he's up and sneaking off to the hospital, I'm going to be unhappy. And I'm in the middle of writing this book on gratitude, and I can feel myself getting annoyed that he's leaving. And I lay there and I thought, okay, I got to turn this around. How can I be grateful for this moment instead of annoyed about it? And I thought, well, first of all, I have this really nice husband who cares about people enough that he's going off to the hospital to take care of somebody. And second of all, I'm lying here in my bed, healthy and fine, and there's somebody off there in the hospital who's sick who he's going to take go take care of. And all of a sudden, all that anger drained, and it, it wasn't fake anymore. I truly felt that so dramatically. And I got up, and I opened his closet door, and, and he looked kind of anxious, figuring I was going to be annoyed at him. And, and, and I said, honey, you know, I was just thinking how lucky that woman is who you're, or that person is who you're going to take care of, and how lucky she is to have a doctor like you to, to, to go be with her, and how lucky I am that, that I get to have you all the time. And yeah, I think he was pretty stunned by that. But again, you know, I was able to catch myself, turn it around, and see the other side. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar.
We are in the midst of WITF's fall fundraising campaign, and I'm joined by WITF Transforming Health reporter Ben Allen. Oh, hi, Scott. Hi, Ben. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Ben had a little bit of a preview with uh, Janice Kaplan last night. Uh, uh, Janice spoke at uh, the York uh, Strand Capital about her book, and yeah. uh, we had like 300 people uh, Yeah, there. it was it was a great crowd. It was a great conversation. We got a lot of... Um, a lot of great questions from the audience as well, and really a great presentation uh, by Janice. And those kinds of events, Scott, are only possible because listeners make that investment and become contributors to WITF by going to WITF.org or calling 800-233-9483. I think of you going, taking Smart Talk on the road all the time, and Emily Previty in Keystone Crossroads hosting an education forum here a couple weeks ago, and Marie Cusick in State Impact Pennsylvania hosting uh, forums across the state. I mean, those kinds of things where we engage with the community, where we bring public radio to you and become a part of the community just as we are every single day, those are the kinds of things that only we are doing here at WITF. And that's why we ask you just a couple times a year to think about uh, those kinds of contributions and make a contribution of your of your own uh, by going to WITF.org, calling 800-233-9483. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about uh, last night. Um, you you read uh, Janice Kaplan's book, The Gratitude I did. Diaries. Yep. And uh, I saw your Facebook post, and you and I talked about this a little bit. Uh, you said you were skeptical going in but you were a true believer afterwards. So what are you grateful for, Ben? <laughs> I'm grateful for being here with you, Scott, well, of course. thank you very much. Yes. Um, no, I think that, um, I, you know, I, I'll be honest, and I don't think this is any uh, revelation to, to Janice. I've said it to her a couple times at this point. When I went into this, I said, here we go again, another book that I have to read for work. And, I, you know, I don't need gratitude. What's gratitude? going to do for me. I'm a typical cynical journalist, millennial, whatever category you want to lump me in. And as I read it, I started to, I genuinely started to turn and I have actually applied some of the things to my life. And some of them are as simple as, you know, last week, busy, busy day. Penn State uh, health decision regarding the proposed merger right. of Pinnacle Health. I'm working, I'm working, I'm working. I get home and I, I got to cook dinner and got to do all this. And um, I just kind of took a step back and, and said, um, you know, what am I grateful for? Well, it's at, at that moment, it's hard to be grateful for anything. You've got so much, you feel, you feel so stressed out. You want to do uh, a good job with reporting the story. But I, I thought to myself, well, um, I'm coming home to uh, a great girlfriend. Uh, I'm coming home and being able to relax, even for five or ten minutes uh, while, I, while I eat dinner. And on top of it, I have a, a job that allows me to learn every day. Who else in what other profession are you learning every single day and you get a chance to sit? And this might sound like torture to some people, but you get a chance to sit with legal briefings for 45 minutes and read through them and dissect the arguments. I mean, that is that is crazy stuff. But it is so cool that A, my job allows me to do that and B, that through reading the Gratitude Diaries, I learned that I should be grateful for it. Absolutely. So, WITF.org or 800-233-9483 to show how grateful you are 
for WITF. I was leading you down that path. It was so obvious. I was leading you down that path then. But uh, actually, I mean, we've said this in so many words uh, every time that, that we do come to our listeners and, and you know, those few times a year and, and ask for your support is that, you know, we ask you... Uh, you know, what kind of value do you place on the news and information uh, that you do here on WITF? And these conversations that happen on Smart Talk that wouldn't happen anywhere else. Well, they, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And that, you know, when you do place a value on it, yeah, maybe you you place a value on it to, and attach a number to it. But I think what we also are always kind of asking you is, is this something that you do appreciate. Is this something that you are thankful for because you don't find it other places in the media today? There are a lot of media choices out there. Not all of them are of the highest caliber, the highest quality. And that's what we strive for here at WITF. And if that is something that you do appreciate, something that you are grateful for, if I could use those words, then we'd like to hear from you. Go to WITF.org or call 1-800-233-9483. I'll see you in about 20 minutes, All Scott. Right, I'll let you continue this gratitude conversation. All right. Thank you very much, Ben. And by the way, uh, before we do get back to uh, Janice, I have an email here from uh, Sarah who says, and I'm sure this will uh, make Janice uh, uh, smile a little bit. Uh, Sarah says, my husband and I remind our children and ourselves how fortunate we are to live in this country and have more than enough. Gratitude is something we should practice every day. And she says, thank you. So, Janice Kaplan, that's uh, a perfect testimonial to what you're talking about. Well, that's lovely. Absolutely. And let me just, for those just tuning in, our guest is Janice Kaplan, author of The Gratitude Diaries, How a Year Looking on the Bright Side Can Transform Your Life. We welcome your questions, your comments. Call us at 1-800-729-7532. Send an email to smarttalk at WITF.org. You also can leave a question or comment on WITF's Facebook page. That's one 800 You want to talk about something that you're grateful for, how you go about it, how you look on the bright side of life. For more on the Gratitude Diaries plus a deeper look at the changing tide of health care, check out WITF's Transforming Health. From policy to personal choices, we're taking a comprehensive look at today's health system. Online at transforminghealth.org, a partnership of WITF, Penn State Health, and WellSpan Health. All right, Janice, you were talking about uh, January. You focused that whole month on your husband. Also sounds like you have two uh, great kids and you wanted to focus on them during uh, the, the month of February or a couple weeks after that. But talk about that with children. Yeah, well, my kids are, are, are grown, um, but um, I, I realized it was the same concept of being positive and sending them positive feedback. And um, I think so many times that parents, when they're dealing with college-age kids or, or teenagers, again, trying so hard to be helpful, all they're doing is criticizing. And kids want to be appreciated. So much of what kids do, really, especially when they're at that college age, um, is to try to win their parents' approval. And um, uh, Ben, uh, who was just here, um, I think is the model millennial. You know, he just, he, he gets it and he's terrific. Um, and in that survey that we, we did, we found that uh, millennials, slightly younger than him, we were t looking at 18 to 25-year-olds, are actually the least likely to be grateful. And I don't think we're raising a generation of ingrates. I think the problem is that kids at that college age um, are trying so hard to be independent, and they want so much to think that they're in control of their lives that it's hard for them to recognize what their parents have done. And so parents, if your kids aren't saying thank you to them, to you, 
just model it back to them. Don't don't be always telling them, you know, hey, you're so ungrateful. Thank them for something they've done. Appreciate them. And just as it happened with with me being able to change that relationship, I, it starts to change with your kids. Um, if you have little kids, if you have little grandkids, if you have little nieces and nephews, um, that's really the time to start bringing gratitude into their lives. And uh, do it at dinner, you know, once a week or every night if you have family dinner. Start your family dinners with something good that happened today. Uh, everybody at the table gets to say something good that happened today. I've, I have lots of friends with little kids who now do that, and it's so much fun to go over there and hear these little four-year-olds and five-year-olds talking about something good that happened. And, what and they they're excited for? about. Well, you know, I have a niece who does this, and, and uh, uh, I was very happy that all of her children said grateful that we're having dinner with Aunt Janice tonight. So that was a good one. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's it can be, I'm grateful that I got the purpley, sparkly sneakers, and, or, you know, I'm grateful that m- mommy kissed me. Um, and it's fun to get to hear what your kids say and, and what they think is important. And, um, and, it, and it really makes a great closeness. And, you know, we were talking before about looking on the negative. Uh, well, kids do that too, right? Kids are going to come home and tell you about everything bad that happened on the second grade playground. Um, and that's okay, but let them start dinner by telling you something good that happened. And then maybe they'll focus on that and their attitude focuses on that. Uh, do it before bed. You know, again, if you have little kids, reading them a story... And then what a nice way to drift off to sleep by thinking about and telling mom or dad something good that happened that day. But but let's talk about that a little bit because I'm thinking about you said something that happened on, on the playground. Uh, there are a lot of bad things that happen to not just little kids but people in every aspect of their life, whether it's an illness, the, a death in the family, um, you know, a, a boss who you know isn't a very nice person or doesn't treat you very well. Um, you know, you don't look, how can you not look at that and, and, and dwell on it? I mean, let's use the ch- child at, on the playground as an example. Uh, we know that uh, there are a lot of kids who are bullied, for example. How do you look on the bright side when a, a, a kid comes home in tears and say that, uh, you know, every time I go out in the playground, I have other kids making fun of me or hitting me or whatever? Um, yeah, and those are those are big issues, and those are issues that need to be, to be talked about. Um, and but dwelling exclusively on the negative part of it is not going to help your child find a solution right so maybe there's something good that's happening on the playground maybe there's one friend who is nice to you maybe there's a teacher who's nice to you maybe there's somebody um that you can you know that you can get on your side uh maybe there's something else you can do at the time at, at that time so looking for solutions i think you know it's, this is a slightly different subject than than the gratitude but looking at what the problem is and then not parents just saying like yes that's terrible isn't going to get anybody anywhere so finding something positive in the situation that the kid can feel like there's some hope and I think that's true I've heard this with adults so often um, you know I was fortunate enough that in my year I was sort of making things go from good to better Um, but I've heard of so many people who have indeed been in situations where they've had illness, their own illness, illness in the family, deaths in the family, terrible, terrible situations. Um, And again, when there's nothing, do everything you can to make that better. Do everything you can to turn around the illness, to end the bullying, to to do whatever. But then you also need to step back and say, is there anything positive here? Is there 
I, I've heard so many people tell me about a death and, and their appreciation to their friends who helped them through. Um, and what a lovely thing that is, because uh, it helps you find that spot of brightness in the darkness. And if you don't have that spot of light, if you don't have that something that you can move forward to, if you don't have that some sense um, that there's a positive, where are you going to go from there? And giving kids and teenagers that sense that, yeah, there's something positive, something is going to get better, is really important, too. I mean, and you're not saying ignore it. You're Absolutely saying not. these things have to be dealt with. It's part right. of life. You have to, to deal with them. But to take a look, take a step back and take a look at it and, okay, what positive can be learned from this or can we do with it? Right. Try not to, try not to just use the word dwell. Um, and I think that's right. You can try not to only see one side. Maybe there's another side of it. Maybe there's something good that's going to come from it. Speaking of which, we have a phone call here from Faith in Lancaster. Faith, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning. I am grateful for... Uh, as of next Tuesday, I will be a five-year survivor of advanced-stage ovarian cancer, so I'm very grateful for that. Congratulations, Faith. Well, thank you. And I also had a gratitude party a couple of years ago after my first bout of chemotherapy to recognize and appreciate all of the people who, or many of the people who helped me out. And I think that's a good idea, not just, this was a bigger one, but not just on that kind of scale, but a small scale to ask each person to say what they're grateful for. Faith, Those are my comments. I, Faith, you know, well, let me have, I don't know, I don't know if Faith is still there or not. I think she hung up, but Janice, um, Faith didn't write a book about it, but she followed some of the same strategies that you did and, you know, with a life-changing event. And what a wonderful story that is. It's, it's exactly, thank you for calling Faith, because it's exactly what we're talking about, which is she had this this terrible illness, and um, and she was able to recognize and be grateful to the people who were helping her through um, and to say, this has been a I'm sure that was a lousy time in her life and I'm sure that was a really difficult time and a lot of people would only be able to look at what a bad time that was but she had a party she had a party to thank the people who helped her through and that just changes your your attitude it changes your perspective it says yeah this illness has been terrible but okay there's another side and and I have friends and I have support and how great is that I want to change topics on you here for uh, talking about gratitude, and uh, this is money, uh, your finances. You mentioned in the book that this is something that uh, you complained about a lot. We all do. I have to tell you, it is one of the most stressful things for me. You know, I look at our income, and I think, you know, if you would have told me 10 years ago I was making this much money, I'd think, oh, I am, we're, we're golden. We're in great shape here. We're, we can take vacations, buy decent cars. No, it's paycheck to paycheck. So how can gratitude help you when it comes to your finances? Well, um, you know, a, a lot of people will uh, will say to me, or I, I did a, um, a video with a lot of celebrities talking about how grateful they were. And some people who've seen that video have said, well, of course, Matt Damon should be grateful. How could he not be grateful? Um, and what's interesting, and, and then people will say the same to me or will say the same to you. 
And I think what's really interesting is that each of us can pause for a moment and look at people who are looking at us, right? And saying, Scott, how could you not be grateful with all that you have? Um, so it's very hard because we're always comparing ourselves to people who have more than us rather than people who have less than us. And so uh, so that's, that, that's very difficult. Um, and it, it really is important also to realize just how little effect how much money you have does have on uh, how happy you are, how grateful you are. There's so much research showing that the experiences you have in life are so much more important than the stuff that you have in life. Uh, there's a professor at Cornell named Tom Gilovich who has done some a lot of research comparing experiences to possessions. And you know, we were talking at the beginning about habituation, about getting used to stuff, and that's what happens when you rely on um, money and and the things you own to think that that's what's going to make you happy or grateful. And experiences just get better with time. It's the opposite of the stuff you own. You know, you have a family barbecue in the backyard and it's a great day. And then the next week when you're telling the story, it's even better. And the next month when you're looking at the pictures, you've forgotten that you burned half of the, you know, the the, uh, the meat and, you know, and everything just gets better. So, so try to focus a little bit on the experiences that you can have in life. And they don't have to be a big deal, you know. You don't have to. You don't have to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, but um, but try to have those moments that uh, that you can remember and that can turn into things that you think about and that become part of your experience. But how do you and I? I'm going to use the word dwell again. How do you not dwell on it when? You know, you, you look at that. You look at your budget and say, ah, oh, things are tight again this week. How do you not dwell on that? Yeah, um, I, you know, I don't have an easy answer for that. Um, you know, one of the interesting findings, um, uh, you're, you're in the middle of a pledge drive here. And, right. And one of the interesting findings, I don't mean to just uh, encourage, I do encourage your pledge drive, is gratitude actually leads to generosity. And um, when, you're, when you're able to appreciate what you have, you tend to be more generous to other people. And I think that's a great thing that all of us can do. Um, if all of us can stop and realize that maybe there's something we can do with our money, with our finances, that isn't just for us. Um, that maybe we can be helping somebody else. All of a sudden, that money seems like it goes a lot farther and can do something a lot more important. Um, there have been experiments where people have been given, you know, uh, random envelopes with five or twenty dollars in them, and some of the people are told to spend it on themselves for the day, and some of the people are told to spend it on somebody else. And um, and then at the end of the day, there they, they there are these various uh, you know tests to see how how much their happiness and gratitude levels have changed. And the people who spent that $5 on somebody else had a completely different, happier experience. They remembered that money in a different way. They remembered what they did with it. The people who just used it to, you know, buy another latte or, you know, get another hair ribbon, um, it didn't mean anything. So finding a way, I think, to uh, to appreciate the money we have and seeing the good that it can do um, might be one first step. That's actually one of the themes throughout the book is that uh, the, the reflection to people that uh, you express your gratitude to, that they reflect it right back. I mean, you, you talked earlier about your husband. I, I hate to use the word attitude, but he changed. He seemed like he was happier. You talked about your kids. But there is a reflection when you are grateful, right? Absolutely. Um, and, you know, we think that when we're being grateful, when we say thank you to somebody else, we're giving the gift to them. 
um, we're also giving the gift to ourselves. There's nothing that makes you feel better than than saying thank you to somebody or appreciating somebody or or recognizing somebody who isn't usually appreciated. And um, you know, a, a, a friend of mine who was uh, even more skeptical than you um, about about this uh, uh, and. Um, uh, actually, it was the person who was helping me do that that big poll at the beginning, um, and he's a political pollster normally, and so he really was not somebody who was 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 used to this subject. And then he called me after a while, and he said, "Janice, I've I've tried this gratitude stuff, and I've tried thanking people, and it feels like I'm cheating because it's so easy when you appreciate people, it comes back so dramatically to you." And you know, I've had that experience uh, because it's so much part of who I am now that you know, I'll be I was checking into a hotel a couple of weeks. Ago, and the room wasn't ready, and everybody was giving the guy at the front desk a really hard time, and, and I could see he was really trying, and he was working hard, and, you know, he's looking panicked, and, and it's my turn to try to check in. The room wasn't ready, and I said, you know, don't worry about it. I can see you're working. It's not your fault. I appreciate that you're trying, and just, you know, I'll go have a cup of coffee over there and, and uh, give me a call when it's ready. Um, when it was ready an hour later, he... Uh, upgraded me to a suite and gave me $10 at the mini bar. And he said, you know, thanks for understanding. <laughs> um, so, you know, th those are silly little examples, but people so often in the midst of a busy day uh, just do want somebody to, to say thank you to them. Let's take a few phone calls. Jean is in Camp Hill. Jean, you're on the air. Yes, hi. I am just loving this program, and I can't wait to read the book. Thank you. Uh, I want to say that I, too, am the um, spouse of a, uh, a very busy family practitioner, and over the many years, 30-plus, I've been that same person, being resentful of my husband getting dressed in the closet <laughs> to, uh, to run out to the hospital or even to a house call. And, and sometimes those calls are because of, especially the house calls, somebody having a problem that's been in place for two to three weeks, and then they call at two or three in the morning, and they just can't stand it anymore. And I'm and I'm feeling resentful, going, "Are you kidding me? That's not like this isn't even an emergency." But my husband would be would say, "Oh, the poor woman is is in such discomfort, you know, like and he's you know hurriedly throwing on his clothes." And over the years, it has finally sunken in that this is the kindest, most compassionate person I've ever met, you know, that he, he really thinks of that. So, and in raising our kids, our kids are also grown up. We used to have them do a thankfulness uh, journal at nighttime. Um, so they would write things down. So on the time, and we would too. So when you're having a really dark day, you can refer back to your list of, of good things that have happened in your life. Um, Hmm. Through all this, we have also um, had one one of our sons, who's now 29, had uh, two bouts with Hodgkin's lymphoma and then stem cell transplant done in Boston. And, you know, so it's not like our, our, our life has not been a walk in the park all the time. But, um, you know, we, we have found that really by hanging on to gratitude and compassion and um, you know, things you land on your feet. Gene, thank you very much for sharing your experiences. Sounds like someone you could relate to. Yeah, we should meet. Um, great, great story, and also the the um, I love also the thankfulness journal that you had your kids do, and and I think that is really important. If you keep track of the things that you're happy about on those days when you're really feeling miserable, or when teenagers are feeling just like life is horrible because kids only remember what happened ten minutes ago, they can look back and go, oh yeah. There are some good things still. Let's take another call from Dennis in East Pensboro. Dennis, I have to ask you to be a, a little bit quick here because we're running out of time. I am going to be quick, and I grew up in a very Catholic Jewish neighborhood years ago. I'm 70 years old. I've got a lot to be grateful for. 
And believe it or not, there were few differences between old Roman Catholicism and very conservative Judaism. They, the similarities are amazing. But what I learned from both sides is every day, every single day is Thanksgiving Day. And I never learned that more than when we went through a major health crisis with my wife. I'm grateful every single day that I went through it because I learned a lot. And I hopefully I became a better person for it. Mm-hmm. Doctor, I thank you for writing the book. Dennis, thank you very much for, for your call. Uh, no, that's great. And, you know, you mentioned religion, and gratitude crosses all religions. And uh, there's actually a Benedictine monk named David Steindl Rost who's written a lot about gratitude. And his line is that it's not happiness that makes us grateful, it's gratitude that makes us happy. And um, I think that's really a wonderful way to look at it, to remember that gratitude gives us the control to make ourselves happy. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. Well, Janice Kaplan, we're almost out of time. And uh, I want to thank you very much for being on the program with us today and encourage everyone to read the book. I mean, you cover a lot of different aspects of life in here, health, uh, how there's stress, inflammation from stress, less disease, getting back to nature. I mean, one of the things I found most interesting is that a walk in the woods in the country uh, actually helps more than walking in the city, even if you are a city dweller, just because there's not as many uh, distractions out there in the, in the woods. You walked on the Appalachian Trail. Uh, body language, you talked about body language and uh eating healthier, and you had four roles. So I'm trying to summarize quickly here, but uh, Janice Kaplan, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you. This was great fun. And uh, it is WITF's uh, summer read. Uh, Janice Kaplan's author of The Gratitude Diaries, and I encourage you to, to read the book. And I am back with uh, Ben Allen right now. Oh, hi, Scott. Uh, WITF's <laughs> Transforming Health. Uh, ben, you're a little bit uh, late. I thought you were just going to let Janice and I talk here for a little bit longer. Well, but... you know, the conversation could go on and on and on, and it it has gone on and on and on over these past 24 hours, but uh, uh, it's great to have Janice here and, and to to really read the book. Uh, Summer Read is really one of the uh, one of the great things we do here at WITF. More than 650 of these books, Scott, were put in the community this year. I mean, that is incredible. Got more than 10 library systems participating. All of this is because members and listeners make that investment into WITF by going to WITF. ITF.org or calling 800-233-9483. Got a number of people to thank, Scott, as we are in the second to last day of our pledge drive here. Diane from Harrisburg, Victor from Camp Hill, David from Hummelstown, and Paula from Lancaster, all making contributions in support of WITF. Really appreciate them stepping up and making that difference so that the entire community can enjoy WITF and everything we do. The conversations you have on Smart Talk every day, they just don't happen anywhere else well you know since since uh, gratitude is the theme today uh, again we do want to thank those people who uh, took the time and uh, you know are contributing uh, money to here to to WITF we could not do it I mean we say this but we could not do it we really with, can, yeah. w- without your support and uh, we only come to you a couple times a year asking you to uh, you know give us some of your hard-earned money and we do know it is hard-earned money but uh, if you place a 
a value on the information that you do get here at uh, WITF, the news and information, well, then uh, we would like to hear from you. Uh, as Ben said, tomorrow's our last day of this fall fundraising campaign, but we'd li- like to hear from you now. Go to WITF.org or call 1-800-233-9483. Ben, thank you very much for being with us Hey, thanks today. a lot. Less than 33 hours to go on that pledge. Chart. Less than 33. Coming up tomorrow, a very interesting person going to be on the program tomorrow. Another very interesting person. Ireland's ambassador to the United Nations. And this man has quite a background. And uh, I think you'll, you'll be very interested in what he has to say that's coming up on tomorrow's show. Smart Talk is produced by WITF as part of our mission to deliver relevant, high-quality programming. Support for this program comes from Capital Blue Cross, which shares WITF's commitment to being a valuable and trusted resource for the communities we serve. Capital Blue Cross, live fearless.